Hello and a very happy Christmas to you. Thank you for being with us this morning. I saw a quote this week that almost everything will work better if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. So unless you're up to your elbow and sprouts, pull up a chair and join us for the next hour, at least until nine. It's an opportunity for many of us to take a collective deep breath this morning. We have several tables surrounded by different guests and given the need for some social distancing, some of them are in other rooms or even in other towns. If you're on your own this morning, then please stay with us as we love your company for chats, stories and music on this special day. Let's say hello to our guests. Well, no stranger to the show, Father Alan Hilliard is coordinator of pastoral care and chaplaincy at TU Dublin. He's also a busy writer. His latest book is entitled Dipping Into Life, 40 Reflections for a Fragile Earth. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Michael. How are you? And a happy Christmas to you. And a very happy Christmas to you and everyone listening in this morning. I heard you early on the radio not too long ago talking about walking around the uh, self-help department of a bookshop <laughs> looking for happiness. Did you find any? Well, the happiness was coming at me. Yeah, well, I basically said that happiness is not what you can get. It's what you wouldn't give away. And that's worth thinking about. I like that as an idea. That definitely is going to be explored a little bit further. Also with us is Dean Maria Janssen, former Dean of Waterford, now retired. Her father was Swedish, her mother Catholic. So she's brought up in a variety of religions, the Church of Ireland, the Lutheran Church and the Catholic Church. You've got an awful lot of time in your hands these days. You're off the clock for Christmas. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. I mean, you just don't get time off coming up to Christmas as a priest and to have time off to read and meet friends and do family properly is the best. And get the sprouts ready as well. And get the sprouts and do the thing and prepare the meal and it's grand, even though I'm not preparing the meal this year. And Gildiza with us in the studio as well, a writer and performer. Lovely to have you with us on this Christmas morning. Lovely to be here. Michael and hello to you and happy Christmas to your listeners. Yeah, Christopher, as a performer, I'm not sure Christmas busy or otherwise. Well, obviously things uh, are not busy because of what happened during the lockdown mm. and uh, I had a bit of a long run myself because it was the my old group, The Newlies, ended and so I've taken this time to write a new show that I'll be launching on the world next year. Oh, world, look out. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll be f- talking later on, of course, about Christmas and Christmas notions. That's one to look forward to. Well, in our Cork studio this morning is Dr. Amanullah DeSande. Dr. DeSande is head of the Study of Religions Department at University College Cork and a senior lecturer in contemporary Islam. He's played a significant international role in the public understanding of Islam. He too is an author. His most recent book published last year is Judaism, Christianity and Islam, an introduction to monotheism. Aman, you're also a guest with us on the Leap of Faith back in April when you talked about Ramadan and you shared a lovely story about growing up in Glasgow. Good morning and Merry Christmas. It's great to be here. Yes, absolutely. Growing up in Glasgow, where the rhythm of the society uh, functions uh, to a certain extent with Christian festivals and others, um, it's hard to to get away um, and, and actually just rejoice in all sorts of uh, um, interesting uh, festivals that happen during a, a calendar year. And of course, you mentioned that I think your father ran a, a shop, which was it open on Christmas Day? It, it certainly was. And it was in a, a neighbourhood which at that time was predominantly Jewish so my father was a my dad was a, was a real dazzling mix of all sorts of interesting uh, religious festivals. A busy grocery shop on a Christmas day. Well, we'll continue that conversation in a moment too. We'll, we've lots more guests for you as well. We'll introduce them after we've also given you a flavour of the day with musical director of the Palestrina Choir, Blonnet Murphy. Blonnet, good morning and a very happy Christmas to you. Good morning Michael. And we are going to be talking to you later on about uh, some of the 
work that you're doing with the choir, but you're also offering us our first gift this morning, which is a gift of a piece of music. Tell us about it. One of my favourite carols, Ding Dong, Merry on High, totally setting the tone of joy and happiness for this day. Palestrina Choir and Ding Dong Merrily on High. Maria, your birthday was recently and you had a really interesting idea. You asked your guests to do something particular. Well, it was my 60th birthday and um, I don't need anything materially. And I was born in May, so I had the party in June, as you do. And I had just got a lump sum for a pension that I had received, so I decided to blow it on my friends. Very nice. And give them fabulous meal, fabulous wine, and the cafe uh, orchestra, I don't know if you remember it. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. Just three guys, just mm. amazing musicians. And I decided that I would bring 60 people together, who are old friends and new friends. And I didn't want gifts. So I asked my Anna, my niece, to get a tree, uh, twigs, branches and paint it white. And we made like a Christmas tree. And I asked everybody, just bring a Christmas decoration. That's all I need. You can take it out of your own bin. You can make it, whatever. Some went out and and made one like this one. Um, I love uh, fascinating Aida. 
So I have an angel here made in leather and covered in sequins because a friend knew I love a song called So On A Sequence. <laughs> and my sister in Sweden, who, who's a very serious woman and worked in the bank all of her life, got um, a glittery frog for me. I had no significance. Other, I said, where did you get it? And she said, it took time. And then over the years, since I say to people, I actually don't want any material things. At Christmas, people send me handmade Christmas gifts like this one. And this was sent the other day by two friends. The husband has been struggling with cancer, Mm. 11 weeks in hospital without a visit from his family during COVID. And thank God he's well, really well. And he, his wife made this little star and sent it. So the, the tree became a symbol of people that I love mm. and whose lives I've intersected with. Well, it's with. a lovely idea too because obviously from each Christmas from this point onwards, there's a memory of friends yeah. and family on your Christmas tree. And do you know, it's sort of, I'm very conscious that this day is a vicious day for so many people. It's a lonely day and you can think of the people who've died and you can think of the maybe joyous times when your kids were with you and they were small and you were busy and the house is silent now or your partner has died or your marriage has ended or your partnership has ended or there's no more. Oh, you know, the whole list of stuff. And I think Christmas is a hugely intense time for good and ill. And you can, it like every wound can spark on a Christmas day, every failure, every grief. But it's also a day, no matter who you are, where there have been little glimpses of light on that day throughout your life. And OK, I brought the images of the decorations here to say I've been really lucky with all my life having people who were like light in the darkness, maybe for a long period of time or just like just a glimpse of light at mm. a dark time in their friendship and their love. Alan, you have a Christmas tree up this year? I have a Christmas tree. Any uh, decorations on it from with memories to them? Um Yes, it's funny when you pull out the box of decorations, you find things that do spark memories. You think it's just a box up in the attic mm. and it becomes about people and places and um, and then, of course, presents that you put under it that you've got already and you don't open until Christmas morning. Because like maybe some people listening in, I'm on my own <laughs> as a priest. I live in a house on my own. So sometimes Christmas morning, you get up and you open things to make it Christmas. You, you, you hold off <laughs> opening it beforehand, you know. So, uh, yeah. So, so yes, it's, it, the Christmas tree is fun. And then funny enough, you go down the road of previous Christmases and untangling all the knots and those lights you used oh, to raise the, the lights, bulbs and absolutely, plug them yeah, in yeah. and then they wouldn't work and then they'd flicker go off and you know and yeah yeah and uh, and then I suppose today trying to be green and not have trees that you're cutting down and how to how to manage all that and then I suppose um you go down the road of memory as well and uh, you know Christmas for, for, for the moment and I suppose even COVID is coping with space that we have this concept of space that like uh, uh, three years ago ma'am died 22nd of December two years ago dad died the 22nd of December oh. so Christmas for me yeah. is remembering funerals but but in Covid even like not not making Christmas dinner for them I used to make Christmas dinner for mam, dad and my aunt so she was she was on her own and you bring them all together and and you'd be putting the plates out and making sure the food was right and then cooking dinners for the next few days as well. So now I don't do that mm. and it's funny enough what I'm drawn into this Christmas is the figure of Joseph in the crib I love the crib. 
And Joseph, for me, is, is so powerful speaking to me today because Joseph, the way out of everything was through the imagination with Joseph. And I think in this time that we have, we really have to be imaginative to find out how to live well mm. at the moment. You, you know, and, but also he was a protector. So how do we live with imagination and how do we protect the mind one another? Because we still have to do a bit of that. And I think he's an amazing character. And of course, there's one other thing in that, because you mentioned it the way you described it. It's a little bit time now for you for a bit of self-care this Christmas. Well, yeah, I have a funny thing about self-care, you know. I, I think sometimes we go down the road of self-care, but like self-care has to be allowing us to care for others as well, mm. that we can get totally narcissistic in this age. And I think I think sometimes like we find ourselves, I don't know if other people are finding this, but with COVID sometimes you get an opportunity to do something, say, I don't know, because we're so down our foxholes in, in COVID. What, that, what that I was thinking, we, Alan, would, would you not be just tempted to take out the old Skeletrics and have a play with it? Well, it's <laughs> funny you say that. I don't know, I don't know who, but I remember one year... Um, <laughs> With my, with my brother Paul who, who sadly passed away last year um, that one year we got Skeletrics but but we discovered that Santi didn't do batteries in the North Hole <laughs> That's so it. the two of us for a few days out in the shops open we were pushing Skeletrics <laughs> cars around the track and all as we ended up it was bruised heads because we kept bumping into one another I'm sure if we had gone to hospital the social workers would have been on to mum and dad but I, I, you know it's, it's funny that even though the present wasn't perfect it's a very strong memory the fun we had with it even though it wasn't working to perfection but what people can't see at home is how your face changed as you told that story just yeah. lighting up immediately to do it, and, and I suppose when you think about, you know, we were talking about so far about uh, toys that bring back memories, but also even decorations that bring back memories. Yeah, well, it's so funny. Alan mentions the battery. That it reminds me of an old Bernard Manning joke. He said, "I I once bought my kids a set of batteries for Christmas with a note on it saying toys not included." <laughs> <laughs> just remind. Do you know what I was thinking about this Christmas though? Um, just moving on from that bit is um, my mum because she's in uh, she's lived she's from County Mayo but mm. she's lived most of her life in Manchester and she's 87 years of age and I, I just wanted to gather some memories from her about Christmas um, for this morning and uh, I was just talking to her last night and she was saying that last Christmas she had dinner with her sister but it, she said it was the first Christmas night in 86 years that she'd been on her own because of COVID. Oh mm. She grew up between Morrisk and Lewisburg in County Mayo and their house was the furthest up on the side of the reek. It was in the foothills of Crow Patrick. And she grew up in, they were very poor and she grew up in a little three-roomed thatched cottage. And she was telling me her mum was amazing. There was nine children and she said she used to whitewash everything at Christmas. And I went, what, outside? And she went, no, she used to whitewash the walls inside. They had no wallpaper or uh, special paint. So it was whitewashed inside. And she remembers the excitement of all the girls being in one room and the excitement of the, of the stockings and what would Santa have brought. And she and as she was telling me, she was like a kid again, remembering that excitement of waking up. And she said they used to get maybe a little paper fan, a coloured fan, maybe some crayons and a jotter and some sweets. But it was just the 
the sheer joy of it. And it just shows you, you need so little uh, materially. And then I was saying, what would you have for Christmas dinner? And she said, goose with the stuffing. And I said, what was the stuffing? And it was potato stuffing. <laughs> it's like goose and potatoes with potato stuffing. But her mum was so creative. And then when they all immigrated to Manchester, her mum used to send them uh, a goose for Christmas. Like imagine wrapping it. I think it's so lovely. Uh, Amanda, your 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 dad is of course having the grocery store. I'm sure there was a queue for batteries on Christmas Day. Yes, well, there was always uh, stuff that 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 was needed um, on Christmas. I, I think my dad used to close the shop early. It would really depend on 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 the flow of customers on Christmas Day. And for you, as a young man growing up, as I said, you you have with, with the faith of Islam within a Jewish area uh, and plenty of Christians in the process too. What what was Christmas for you? So um, about over twenty years ago, I was my I was originally training as a religious education teacher. In in Scotland in, in secondary schools and I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine um, to ask and, and you know we, we would be teaching a, a Christmas to, to the secondary school pupils and I said what exactly is it that Christians do on Christmas and what is Christian about it and he kind of laughed over the phone to me and he said would you like to see it first hand and I said absolutely and he was a Methodist minister out in, in Kilsyth now retired and he invited me to the Christmas service and I remember saying to him I said will I be able to sit next to you and he said, well, that'll be a little bit difficult because he was actually, uh, you know, at the altar and, and it was a wonderful uh, service. And ever since then, every year for over 20 years, I've been sat at his uh, Christmas table for lunch. Now, Christmas in, in my Muslim family wouldn't be celebrated, but I did uh, over the years had very long and interesting conversations about what exactly is a Christian um, about uh, some of the, the stuff that happens around the table or, or around the house. House. And it's been a wonderful time, really, for me to to learn more about the uh, the complexities and, and some of the the the, the differences um, of Christmas. And actually, I became very ecumenical. Um, I used to go to the Methodist uh, service, and uh, at one point, I was going for midnight mass with my uh, tennis coach. And it was just it was just uh, wonderful um, to grow up with that um, as a Muslim in Glasgow. Brian Layden grew up in the coal mining valley of Arigna. Brian is also joining us remotely. Brian, happy Christmas to you. A very happy Christmas to you and to everyone listening and all your guests there. I'm really enjoying the conversation here. Uh, remote, isolated, yes, here on the Wild Atlantic Way in North Sligo. And uh, really appreciating the memories that are being evoked. My childhood was quite like Anne's mother's Mayo childhood. You know, we grew up on a small farm in Arigna and um, that was a big part those traditions that you remember was a big part of Christmas from uh, the early morning stuff where we'd have to actually turn the cows out of the barns as well for the very short dim down daylight and you get the barns cleaned and you get the fire set and then they'd be back in for their extra large bundles of fodder and uh, I think you were talking earlier about happiness there as well and I often think that that happiness of Christmas is all in the anticipation yeah. um, anticipating the dinner that was coming and having those jobs to do actually increase the savour of everything. And I think it's a wise adult maybe that knows that 
anticipating being happy is happiness itself in some ways. Well, this is what I suppose uh, strikes a lot of people is the preparation, the getting ready and, and, and a sense of occasion. And I'm also interested, Brian, as you describe it, other people are talking about being on their own uh, as somewhat of a disappointment. You're describing it as a way of life. Well, I I mean, I write for a living full time and that's somebody being on their own in a room. Now, it has been said that a man on his own is in bad company. (laughs) uh, But you have to be able to live with yourself and enter into that kind of creative space. And then it's lovely to sort of have that sense of amplitude and expansiveness that comes from release from the work and the discipline of being by yourself. I... I I do think that, you know, I I grew up at very... Uh, all the rituals counted down on our advent calendar to Christmas and it was a very Christian feast for us and it had all the trimmings and that. But I suppose as I grew older, I I kind of developed more humanist values and kinship and friendships and a willingness to enter into the spirit of people and company has replaced some of those kind of more prescriptive values. And that that is Christmas for me now, you know, especially now that I mean, there's an ambient anxiousness. There's a kind of, well, you'd say the, the besetting mood is one of fear and isolation a little bit because of what's going on. And somehow you've got to a reverse gear and get out of that and to me it's absorption in what you do and it's 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 that sense of amplitude and joining people again so that's how i get around that the discipline and then the release from discipline which is happiness the experts say we shouldn't get overly involved in positive thinking but in fact we should just get engaged with things uh, become fully absorbed by something as you're describing it there Brian. Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it uh, in terms of, you know, the direct pursuit of happiness is a fool's errand in some ways, because we all know it's a byproduct of doing something else and none busier time than Christmas. But you can miss out sometimes, too, on Christmas by being trying to be too busy, get everything right. Everything's perfect. I, I am very forgiving of human frailty and flaws as well that, you know, so be it. That's how it's turned out. And I remember the panic in our household of, uh, you know, that the turkey would end up dry or <laughs> the timing would be wrong. But uh, you have to be a little bit forgiving of yourself and allow that uh, perfection is it's wonderful, but it's it's never to be attained. Aman, how does the Muslim faith see perfection? Is it I to mean, be something to be avoided? Um, well, I mean, it, it depends. I, I, I always say this, you know, it depends from 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 Muslim to Muslim. But for me, I guess, as a, as a as a believing Muslim, I, I think that perfection is is something that you should. Uh, strive for um, and 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 constantly try to surround yourself with beauty. You know, there's a there's a beautiful uh, concept in Islam known as ihsan, which is the the struggle. Um, and and I'm reclaiming that uh, word jihad, uh, which is actually a beautiful word. The word actually means to struggle. It's a sacred struggle for in, in inside yourself to in order um, to see the beauty surrounding you. It's about constantly and consistently trying. To, to see some of those um, perfections of God, that the most perfect thing is God. 
And I think for me, that's what that's why I engage with Christmas. It's because for me, I, I you know, I've just written a book with with um, my former colleagues from Miami and an, an introduction to monotheism, and it was a a real time where. We engaged Bill, Jewish, uh, Michelle's uh, uh, Catholic, Cuban, um, and we just sat and we just used to talk. We we taught a course together on one God, and and it was just a time where I thought, you know what? There's so much to be said about what Judaism uh, set in motion through biblical monotheism and then, uh, you know, the legacy of that uh, Jewish uh, biblical monotheism comes from Christianity and then Islam. I love that. I find that that excites me, that enriches my Islam and my Muslimness. And it just makes me think, you know what? In the Quran, it says we created you into nations and tribes so that you may get to know each other. And I was thinking if this God that's so perfect could have actually made us all the same, <laughs> but we're different for a reason. Pluralism exists for a reason. You know, I, I sit there and I talk to people, yeah, you know, Jesus is a prophet in Islam. And I just think this that beautiful in God that has made us all so different. This perfect God has actually left us all scrambling and competing for this God. I just think that's that's just something beautiful. And if we're and hopefully we're all we've all got our eye on this sacred struggle of achieving goodness because if you if we compete in goodness, gosh, the world would be such a yeah, beautiful very different place. place <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And I want to talk to you all because the people certainly in the studio with me know what audiences are. You've mm. all had them, or congregations or otherwise. Yeah. But let's go back. To, how about some music? That's, that's the one of the things we're also bringing you this morning. And this is a real joy for me because in a remote studio, because of our separations this morning, are a mother and daughter. And that's Angela Elion and Roisin Nilayan. Good morning to you, Angela and Roisin, happy Christmas to you. Good morning, Michael. Nalag Hanadi of Golair. Delighted to be with you. Ah, it's lovely. And I suppose you might have heard us all there chatting about Christmas memories. But music must feature hugely for you as a Christmas memory, memory, Angela. Oh, hugely, Michael. I remember well the soundtrack of Christmas at home in Cavan as a youngster, you know, Silent Night, Oh Holy Night. Walking on the frosty ground sometimes uh, on a Christmas Eve to Midnight Mass in those days, 12 o'clock, you know, the excitement of a youngster going Mm. to that. Sometimes snow falling. It was incredible singing all the carols in the church, you know. And then uh, as time grew over the years, learning more Irish carols steeped in tradition you know the just that the whole ethereal spiritual feeling of it all was absolutely wonderful and you brought together these in, in a cd recently christmas carols in irish what was the inspiration for that I did indeed. The inspiration, I think, was the love of of the tradition, the Irish tradition, the love of Irish poetry and music. Uh, There's such a rich well of it, uh, Michael, and I wanted to celebrate some of that. I mean, carols like poetry, like Ihan Nolig, you know, by the great Maura Macanty, recently deceased, uh, and uh, music put to that by Father Pat O'Hearn. The beautiful image of, you know, leave the door unlocked. The Holy Family are looking for somewhere to stay. And you know what? They're going to come here tonight and stay in your house. 
another poem, Curra by the great Martin O'Deeron, you know, music by the great uh, musician Sean Ogotuma. Again, the same image. The Holy Family are looking for somewhere to stay tonight, but they're going to find somewhere on the Aran Islands. There'll be a light in every window for them and the fire will be blazing, waiting for them, you know. Yeah, and I think I, I always sort of connect with that one in particular, Martin O'Deeron, because we all know him from the Leaving Cert syllabus. I think we've all done on Tarak here. Um, and I think everyone sort of connects with that. But I think it's it's such a worthwhile thing to, to put together. And it's about making sure there's a record of these old carols and that are Oscuelga, you know, and it's not always just translations of things in English because we have such a depth of uh, beautiful Irish literature um, and, and music as well. So it was really exciting. We were able to work with, you know, Steve Cooney, Ryan Malloy, Claire Walsh, a number of other musicians uh, and talented people and my siblings as well. And obviously my mom leading the whole thing uh, on the vocals. So it was really special. It was really a special thing to be a part of. Well, Angela, we're going to hear the Wexford Carol. Would you tell us about that, please? Well, the Wexford Carol, I mean, probably the most famous Irish carol there is. Uh, Nobody really knows who wrote it, but um, uh, it was was sung quite regularly, I think, about two centuries ago and has been sung since regularly. And uh, I think every listener will recognise this one. There's a chronally is quivering
the Wexford Carol sung there by Angela E. Lyon. Angela, beautiful sound to that. And I suppose putting in memory as well, Wexford, Maria, you, you said that's very popular, not only in Wexford, but in other countries. Oh, it's very popular in Sweden as well. I was rector in Wexford for 10 years. And the first time I heard it was sung, it's, it's part of what you sing at Christmas in the Church of Ireland in Wexford. And I think it's just haunting. Mm. But it's also, we had a link at that stage with the Diocese of Lund and I had Swedish curates in Wexford. And the, there's a huge choral tradition in the Church of Sweden and the Wexford Carol is very much part of the Christmas liturgy. Blonnet Murphy is uh, also available to us this morning, musical director of the Palestrina Choir. Blonnet, good morning and welcome. Happy Christmas to you. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, everybody. We heard you and the, your choir at the beginning of our programme and I suppose just listening as well to that beautiful version of the Wexford Carol. The missing audiences, what's it been like and what do you hope for? Well, I think last year was particularly bad because there was literally nothing and it was like a real dearth of any, that communal sense of... of taking part in carols. This year, audience students haven't been able to take part physically, but from anybody I've spoken to, the actual being able to listen to the carols and being present when something live is being sung has really, really made a huge impact on people and they felt really connected and something very special and emotional about this Christmas in that way. I think, you know, it was something that was just lost and people almost didn't realise. And I, I find myself last year, I had the unusual situation of being listening to music rather than being performing music. And I've sort of almost had forgotten how much music affects people and can be very healing and very uplifting. And I think this year when I've come back to rehearsing carols and music this Christmas, it's been with that sense of that poignant sense of how much you are, can affect people through singing stuff that they know and things that they've been longing to hear. Uncle D, do you miss your audiences? Um, yes, you're talking about people being together for Christmas and uh, I'm, I'm just thinking of that in terms of audience and that's a thing I've missed so much in lockdown. As we used to say in the Nulas, the audience are the difference between a packed gig and an empty one. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is that communality. What you do has literally no meaning, and particularly in comedy, until you see how it rests with an audience. And, that, and that's why I, I love comedy in particular, but with the audience, there, this um, flow and communication, and that is a thing that I've been really missed in lockdown. And um, I'm looking forward to um, going out to my sister in law's house for um, Christmas dinner because she's a gourmet chef. Tracy oh. Rennie, gourmet and, chef. And around, <laughs> around the table, there'll be an audience. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, Aman, you're also, uh, I suppose, away from your normal sources of friends and family for things like Eid and indeed Ramadan and Christmas. Yes, it's been it's been um, an an unusual <laughs> time for 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 a lot of these um, uh, festivals for for Muslims. Uh, and Maria, yeah. you, you mentioned as well when we were talking in the earlier part of the year about now that uh, well you've been presenting and preaching on Zoom, the audience can be very specific with their feedback. Oh, very much. And, you know, you can't shut up a preacher in the pulpit, no matter how much he or she bores you. But you can 
online and you know all I just know as I get older and we've been talking about this earlier I my filter of dealing with waffle has gone down to zero and I think this happens in churches mm. well that was always a big thing down the country does he do a long mass or a short mass <laughs> <laughs> you know, you go, oh, oh, right, right, right. you know the guy yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang, you set me up for that one <laughs> yeah. Father on. Alan long or short well, mass well, yeah you had to be there 20 minutes early to get a seat for the for the quick mass, <laughs> yeah, the quick mass <laughs> so you made everything. up the 20 minutes uh, that would make a priest uh, popular uh, I, I, I think absolutely, but it's an opportunity for, I suppose, developing integrity in liturgy. Mm. That's an opportunity. I've developed a Zoom mass and take time over the homilies and the music and the presentation. And it really has worked. Now, I couldn't continue it, mm. but, but it really worked. That There is meeting a need. Um, I mean, I, I, most of my work is chaplaincy in college. I miss the buzz with students. You know, you're probably more problem orientated now. You're missing that carrying people along and helping them, support them, and the bit of banter. You know, people need to celebrate and have good times and acknowledge. And that's something of what's missing. Getting mm. the second years talking to the first years about first year, not being able to do those things to help the first years across the line and ease their unease. They're the things I miss. That it's it, you really we only live as connected people. It's funny because I was talking to somebody who had, was at a funeral recently and they said the one thing, the one rule they broke were hugs and that they found themselves really challenged because they, they know they should have kept the social distance, but they couldn't resist yeah. showing that physical connection to somebody and saying, you know. But well, funerals have been, as a priest, oh my God, like y- 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 you get emotional thinking about mm. it, you know. Um, mm. Scenes in the graveyard where people have nowhere to go. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. You know, that camaraderie we had about going somewhere for a cup of tea or a drink or a meal and you're left in a grave. Now, that was in the early days of COVID. Mm. As a priest, you're trying to minister into situations and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. It's just... But at the same time, what people, through imagination and thinking of, like Joseph, that security created spaces like lining roads and clapping and, you know... Yeah. Um, Just found different call, ways yeah, of showing Calling love, to the yeah. door and leaving stuff mm. on the doorstep. But my God, you know, they, they were... And, and hopefully as we move on, maybe we have to... Yeah, we have to live with things a bit, but to find ways of being creative with it mm. and, and, and not putting ourselves in foxholes, you know. But, you know, that's... that. I remember one woman saying to me, all I want is to be hugged. Yeah. Mm. Just to be hugged. Yeah. Not just by my family, but by my friends. She's a real yeah. hugger. And her husband had died. Yeah. And it was that lack of just falling into the arms yeah. of somebody yeah. when words fail. Oh, you've <laughs> situations where you're going, oh, should we just touch elbows? And then it's... It's so awkward. Uh, if, the, yeah, but the yeah. instant there's an indication of a hug, you're yeah. suddenly... Yeah. 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 In you go, yeah. exactly. Yeah, in you go. And well, so, hope, uh, yeah. Hopefully our virtual hug is reaching out to some yeah. people this morning as well. John O'Donnell is a poet and a short story writer and uh, joins us now as well remotely. John, good morning to you. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you too, Michael, and happy Christmas to everybody happy there. Christmas. Happy Christmas. Hi, everyone. I should also wish a happy Christmas and a happy birthday to my sister, Catherine, who has a big birthday today. She has the dreaded birthday Christmas combination. So uh, happy <laughs> uh, Christmas, That was always Catherine. a challenge in, in, in whenever that happened, because did you get two lots of presents? Uh, oh, that was the, she, and a bit of jealousy. Yeah, she, she, we we she used we used to give her one big present and of course then she railed against this and decided quite cleverly that she would have what you called a half birthday in June on the twenty fifth of June. I like that. Yeah, uh, happy on birthday to me, John. You were talking recently about empty nests. How's it for you this Christmas? 
Well, we have them all back and um, that's one of the things that's really excited because um, we, our daughter was away last Christmas and, you know, we really felt it. We had a laptop at the table instead of her uh, and this year she's back so we're delighted to have her and really, really pleased to have her back with us at last. You have something for us this morning on Christmas Day. Yes, because I was looking at our crib and, uh, well, let me, let me just explain that as if the world wasn't topsy-turvy enough these days, a group of superheroes appear to have taken over our crib instead of the people you'd usually expect to find. I notice now that Iron Man and Thor have come to adore the baby lying in the manger, a baby that looks this year suspiciously like Spider-Man. And if you think that's bad, last Christmas, one of the three wise men was a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> How we made it from Antarctica to Bethlehem is, is beyond me. But, but maybe the arrival of these different worshippers shows inclusivity. And I suppose Christmas is, in a way, a, an otherworldly event. But I was thinking, looking at these new presences crowding into the stable, that in some cribs this time round, uh, there'll, be, there'll be absences someone who's working or in hospital, someone who, who for various reasons couldn't travel, who found no way home. And in some houses there'll be an empty chair where someone always sat in times gone by, but who this year isn't coming back. So it's all right to take a moment or, or sometimes even more to be sad at Christmas because missing people is the price we pay for loving them and being loved by them. And yes, although last year we told ourselves that this would be a Christmas like no other, here we are again. So what can we do while we wait for this to pass? And I thought of the words of the Julie Garland version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So let's try to muddle through, to celebrate what we have, whatever it is, as best we can, while we can, even if it means doing things a little differently and with people we may not know so well, even if it means sharing the marvel of Christmas with the Marvel Universe. <laughs> oh, that was lovely, John. Lovely. And you, as you uh, are a regular contributor to A Word in Edgeways, we'll be doing more of that, I'm sure, in 2022. Uh, let's go and have a little bit more music as well, because that's one of the joys we have of being with you on this Christmas morning. And let's go back to Angela and Roisin. You're there with us this morning. We are we indeed. Sure are. And you have another carol for us. Tell us about that. Ihe uh, uh, everyone knows the perennial favourite of Christmas, uh, Silent Night, and the Irish version is absolute magic and uh, we wanted to put it on this album. Exactly, yeah. And I think also as well, um, one of the reasons why we put this CD together was to support a great um, charity called Homeless Care um, that supports young people transitioning from state care um, and, and helps to house and support them as they transition. And I think this sort of um, quiet and still imagery that Silent Night evokes of that baby in, in the stable um, you know I think it, it, it evokes that you know how important the home is and a roof over your head and we were so proud to be able to support homeless care um, and, and help them raise a bit of cash this Christmas um, by putting this album together
Angela, beautiful sound. And of course, if you do want to get your hands on some of the Christmas carols in Irish we've been playing on the programme today, you'll find more information on irishcarols.ie. Uh, Amon, one thing we should, of course, consider today is the idea of the integration of so many different faiths. And Christmas is an opportunity for people to do that. For you and your perspective, given the work that you do and the research that you do, what is that connection? I think one of the, the issues that we're dealing with, not just in Ireland, but where I was growing up in Scotland, is the challenge of pluralism. And it's the challenge that we have of not boxing individuals in the boxes that we like to think that they should be placed into. And I think um, as we do that, we begin to appreciate that, uh, you know, there are no two Christians alike and there are no two Muslims alike. I'm not here representing, you know, the billion or so Muslims that are out there. But it does give you an idea about how Muslims will celebrate uh, Christmas and some will not. And I think that is something that we need to 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 pay attention to. And, and, and Christmas is, is a great time um, to, to think about that diversity and that pluralism, not just with those who are our neighbours who are not Christian, but also within, uh, you know, uh, there, there are many different uh, varieties of Muslims. And, and in the same way, there are many varieties of Christians as well. And I think I hope in some way we can return back um, to to the roots of where our religions came from from. And of course, there's also a wider knowledge now of the, the role of Jesus as a prophet or even the role of Mary as his mother, being recognised across all faiths. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Mary has her own chapter in the Quran. And, you know, as we know, she she is mentioned more in the Quran than she is in, in the New Testament. And, and Jesus is understood a, as a prophet in Islam. And again, all of these tensions exist. You know, religion can be um, a, a point of, of, of peace or it could be a point of war. And many of these competing claims to God have, have led um, to, to, you know, some beautiful things between us and also um, destruction and, and killing. But it's about focusing on on what these differences mean. Alan. Alan, I must say, as a frequent visitor to Glasgow, I was very touched and uplifted by your description of visiting um, places on Christmas Day and joining in with them. And I think one of the things we can do in Ireland today is really have that hospitality towards one another, that we enter one another's sacred places and sit alongside one another. And I must say, as a Catholic priest, my own faith has been enriched by sharing time with Muslim students and I love the way they they encourage me and the way they support me and you know to be, I think one of the, the issues today is allow people to talk about their God because it's a very important part of their life and I, I think how we do that is, is key to the future but that absolute mutual respect for one another but I think the hospitality thing is so important um, and I love visiting other places of worship because it really helps me not just talk about it, but, but to do something active to show I want to be enriched. Maria, I suppose it's in a, it's in a generation that people even in, here in Ireland, you know, within even the Christian faith, mightn't have known what other people did at Christmas. I think tribalism exists in religion very easily. And the, the, the development, I suppose, that has happened in Ireland is that with carol services... Now people of all traditions come together. Um, just commenting on what a man mentioned there about the intersection at Christmas. I have a very, very good Muslim friend, a woman of immense faith uh, who lives in the UAE. And at Muslim festivals, I will send a blessing and prayer to her. And at Christian festivals, she will send a prayer to me 
when her husband, who was very ill, was very ill, she asked me to pray on the phone over him. And when she came here, everybody, one well, everybody, but one person very, very succinctly said the goodness shone out of her. And I think that the intersections, when we meet each other in love and allow each other be who we are, Muslim, Jewish, Baha'i, Christian, humanist, whatever, mm. but wherever your truth base is, if we have, if we learn to love, to listen, to bless each other, to gift each other and to open our hearts to each other, that to me is what Christmas is about. John O'Donnell, a perspective on, on the conversation. I'm interested to hear the, the idea of gathering together. I mean, I think that's what it's about, no matter what, as you say, whether what faith you're a member of, the, the idea of coming together. And that's, I suppose, what I was thinking of when I was looking at the crib and that, you know, no matter how many people or no matter what what faith the people have who gather around together, that this this idea of coming together is is the essential part for me of Christmas. Aman? Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Christmas lunch. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to sit at the, the table with uh, uh, the, my, my friend who's the retired Methodist minister, but I have been invited by uh, somebody who I actually became friends with during uh, lockdown, and, and uh, I, I hope I can name her, uh, Rachel McCormack, who is the whiskey expert, and she, she, she speaks on BBC Radio 4's uh, Kitchen Cabinet, and she's actually invited me over for Christmas lunch, and so I'm really excited about what's, what's going to be um, at the table but that's that's just uh, one of the the interesting surprises of of lockdown this this new friendship so i'm looking forward to having having lunch with uh, Rachel and her mother Blonet Murphy, let's go back to you for a moment. We've been enjoying the music of the Palestrina Choir and more to come. But I'm curious, if you would, tell us what's it been like trying to keep a, a choir like that motivated for the last while? Well, it has been tricky. Um, during the heaviest lockdowns, we were rehearsing online and then we had small groups in at different, different age categories in and uh, we've had windows open. They're all wearing masks. Um, so at the moment, we just have our, our secondary school age uh, boys choruses singing this morning um, and the younger choruses hopefully will be, back, will be back soon. But they've been real troopers and hasn't been easy, but we're, we're keeping ticking on. Well, you won't mind if we join in uh, as we come to our last uh, hymn in just a moment, <laughs> which we all. definitely do. But let me go around the table one more time before we head out the gap on this Christmas morning. Uh, just to get a final word from you, Alan. Well, Brendan Connelly passed away this year and a great poet. I used to meet him in Parnell Street and I'm just going to a few lines from him. Though we live in a world that dreams of ending, that always seems about to give in, something that will not acknowledge conclusion insists that we forever begin. Uncle D. Um, well, I was thinking, you know, when I was getting my mum's memories and she was talking about getting so little, I was racking my brains for my favourite jokes. And one of my all time favourite uh, comedians is Les Dawson. He used to say, I was given an empty box at Christmas. Action Man, the deserter. I love it. John O'Donnell. Um, I, I just we're just going to have to mind each other a bit better than we've been doing so far and I know it's hard and people are, are frazzled I'm frazzled myself I'm going to try and stop giving out to referees at rugby matches um, <laughs> and, and, and just try to be a bit nicer Aman? Um, I think I think it's uh, I think everybody needs to go easy on themselves. Um, that uh, it's a, it's been a difficult uh, time, and and there'll be lots of things that maybe don't go to plan on on Christmas Day. But try to make the best of it, and in the warmth and and the spirit of of what the day brings. And and Merry Christmas to everybody. 
And Marie Johnson. I particularly want to address those who are going to be on their own for most to this day and for whom it's a really rotten day. Your head can go down dark alleys and you can feel nothing but the pain and the loss and those who are not there. But drag your head back into the light and follow your eyes around your house and follow your memory around your life and let the good and happy memories and people flood that empty space of loneliness so that at the end of the day, you can say about the day and your life, there has been light, there has been love, there has been care. So mind yourself and God bless you. And that's our Christmas leap of faith. Thank you for your company this morning. A very special thanks to my guests, including Father Alan Hilliard. Uh, that is Maria Jansen as well, Dr. Amanulda Sande, and Gilday, Brian Layden, John O'Donnell, Blonde Murphy, and Angela and Roisin Nilayan. On sound for us today was Kieran Dunn. Our broadcast coordinator was Taryn O'Sullivan, and our producer is Sheila Callan. We'll leave you with the most uplifting piece of music on this Christmas morning. Joy to the world from the Palestrina Choir. From me, Michael Cummins. Have a happy and safe Christmas. Goodbye.